Hello there and welcome to Racehorse Movies, the show where two film fans take a racing sheet from last week, pick a random horse name for each other and from that name pitch a movie. In the pitch, to flesh out our movie ideas, we may include such things as stars, directors, composers, best boys and stable boys. Maybe not that last one. Hoping none of our ideas have to be put behind a screen and shot. The sky's the limit, the horses are on the starting line, the jockeys are frothing. It's time for Racehorse Movies. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Racehorse Movies. My name is Graham Thomas, and I am joined by the very beautiful, the very delicious, the very lovely Mr. Luke Searle. Oh, why, thank you so much, you charming so-and-so. Hello, everyone. <laughs> How the devil are you all? I hope you're doing very well, and I hope you are also doing well yourself, sir. I'm doing very well, and we have a wonderful show lined up, I think. I'm quite excited about this one. I think it's going to be quite good. Okay, well, I am too. I've been, um, like, pleasantly thrumming all day. At first, I was like, is this the first sign of the stroke or heart attack that's definitely <laughs> going to kill me quite soon? But no, it was excitement. Uh, so, yeah, I'm bang up for it also. Well, I'm glad that you are feeling excited and good and not having a stroke and not dying. I'm so Ready glad too. Episode. Yeah, no, absolutely am. Uh, so, dude, how have you been? Before we get to pitching, which we are very excited about, chomping at bits, etc. Mm -hmm. But just a general... How the devil are you, man? What's been going on, sir? The devil I am is good. Lots of things have been happening. I just got back from a little break in Bologna where I saw Depeche Mode mm. and survived uh, the horrible, horrible heat wave. Um, but I had a wonderful time with my friends, saw an amazing concert, had some wonderful food, and now I am back. So that's been pretty good. We've got lots of lovely developments going on behind the scenes at Fortress Never Press. We've been beavering away and we'll have some exciting news for you all very soon, I believe. But until then, we're going to keep it under our hats. Oh, that's tantalising, that is. I'm tantalised and I even know what's going on. Mm. Uh, that was very well done, sir. Absolutely. And what about you? Are you happy? Good? Yeah, yeah, I've not been too shabby, thank you very much, man. I, um, aside from uh, the strange weather that's occurring that could almost trip me into thinking it's winter, which is normally a mm. uh, slightly uh, darker, darker time of year for my soul. Have you watched anything? recently that you want to chat about yeah well good or bad not ant-man quantumania thank you very much <laughs> yeah not not mediocre <laughs> not not sitting in the middle on the fence uh mm. in its tiny or large form uh i have i've watched a couple of things i'm not gonna s s take too long on them actually because one of them okay. um i watched because i listened to uh i believe i emphatically said i had seen this when you mentioned watching it on the podcast last mm. uh that's that's absolutely a whoopsie pants on on my side of things because I absolutely hadn't. I think I must have seen a lot of like Kermode reviews. I've listened to him yeah, talk okay. about it. it I've seen lots of, and yeah. so I was like, oh yeah, I have definitely seen Sorcerer, the movie I'm talking about mm. now. And all I want to do is just raise that as one of the most fantastic movies I've seen in. Uh, probably this year, uh, without a doubt, mm. it was incredible. And if you like the practicality, we're seeing a lot in the news recently with uh, Christopher Nolan saying how uh, there is no CGI, everything is practical, we're doing this all in camera. Uh, if you want to see a shining example of that from uh, 1977, then uh, check out Sorcerer. Absolutely amazing. Sorcerer, yeah, we're going to plug it again. So go see it because it's amazing. And uh, the soundtrack is fantastic as well by Tangerine Dream. Yes. Maybe we'll put a link to the soundtrack. Fantastic idea, in, we'll do that, uh, yeah. In the show notes. Check check the show notes, guys. Um, so yeah, you sorcerer anything else? Well, I believe we did say um, mm -hmm. to our dear listeners that we would probably uh, talk about a film together, um, which sort of brings me on to Blackberry uh, and watching yes. that um, uh, recently, man. Which you I did, and um, why... Why did we say that we would talk about Blackberry? Well, Can you I remember? think, yeah, I believe that we wanted to bring it up because we had also both seen Air, 
are. Mm -hmm. And I feel that Air, what Air fails to do, BlackBerry does incredibly well. Um, okay. and, and that was kind of what made me, made me want to sort of talk about it, champion it, if that's the right word. I also really love Matt Johnson, the director of BlackBerry. Um, so I just thought it was worth having a chat about um, the alternative side to like the Tetris movie, to air, to all of this like product consumerism, capitalism porn that we've been getting through movies yeah. recently. Sort of, I felt that this was one that was a bit more honest and landed better. We get to see that uh, the underdog mm -hmm. make it and then we get to see the rise and the fall, which is the the fall, which yes. is the important yeah. thing that is so missing from a lot Absolutely. of these movies. Absolutely, the hubris yeah. and the not being able to read the market and or <laughs> reading the market too late and realizing we oh, are God. dead in the like, water. We, yeah. And, and we know, can't spoil history, I guess. But when Apple yeah. released their touchscreen. Yeah, uh, you, my heart dropped. Even though you know, yeah, I know yeah, what's yeah. happening, but you see them see it, and you see that the the realization start to spread across the room of the guys in BlackBerry as like we're gone, we're toast, man. The reason I remember us wanting to talk about this is because of a certain actor whom we agreed would play oh, a character in. in She's, She's the, the Danger. Danger. Yes, and of course, Captain Cutleroar. Captain Cutleroar pitched to be played by Glenn Howerton who plays the, I guess, main character. If there's, if there's three main characters or two yeah. main characters, he's one of the three. Yeah, you have he's your the, tripod almost. The shark, the CEO who comes in, or kind of haggles, he's a salesman who comes in, haggles his way to CEO almost almost instantly and then just barrels <laughs> his way through the entire film. Like, a, he just dominates like a 900-pound gorilla. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And when I was watching this movie, just to talk about Glenn Harrison, because I do think he is an incredibly versatile actor, very highly underrated and passed over for many opportunities, I guess, by by Hollywood. You might not have seen what he is capable of, having spent so many years doing an incredible work in Always Sully in Philadelphia, yeah. my favourite sitcom. But when you see this film, it's such a performance, it's such a pivot, it, it makes you sit, sit up in your seat. Out the gate. It makes you... Yes, Literally the from the first scene he arrives in. I think he's in mm. the, in a car and it's uh, already yeah. explosive, yeah. And he's he's just phenomenal and you cannot take your eyes off. He's a real movie star. It's an incredible performance, so assured. To see that from someone that you know so well because you have seen yeah. so much of his performance through Always mm -hmm. Sunny, that's great to be surprised yeah. still after, say, is, uh, after 40 hours or 50 hours in his yeah. company already. When you think you know someone in the nicest possible way, you think you know all the tools <laughs> in their kit bag, and then suddenly, bam. And you get also a sense of pride, I guess, because you've seen them yeah. do this stuff for so long, and suddenly they've given the opportunity, and that's all they needed, and they just smashed it. Yep. That kid is going to go far now. I, I feel like it's a, t a turning point. Uh, yep. Yeah, well, I, I would extend that uh, to Matt Johnson, the director as well, and star. I've had my eye on him for a while. He did uh, a fantastic show in Canada called Nirvana, the band, the show, and hear him and his friend Jay McCarroll play a couple of guys who just really want to get a show in a place called the Ritzy in uh, 
Toronto, I think it is. Okay. Uh, they're really, really film literate. It's incredible. Like hearing Matt Johnson, he's really worth Googling to listen to him just talk about movies. It's a real breath of fresh air. It's wonderful to hear someone who can reference so much, who knows so much about film, even though he mm -hmm. says that he doesn't. And I think that really comes through in the films he's done. This is a sort of feels like a really big step up, and I feel like he just mm -hmm. took to it like a duck to water. It felt really assured. As as much for Glenn Howerton, I'd like to also mm -hmm. raise a raise a glass or whatever for Matt Johnson and wish him all the best. And I look very forward to seeing what he does. Let's do that, and let's encourage everybody after they've seen Sorcerer to track down, if you can, and watch Blackberry for all the reasons we have suggested. I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Definitely. And that is it. That was all we've been doing. Well, we've done the real movies. It's time to do a couple of the not real ones. Shall we head to the mind cinema I and think we should. Uh, drag Lloyd the Bud Cotton off his break? Let me finish the cigarette. Yeah, you can finish his cigarette and then we can crack on with... Uh... Then we can crack on. Yeah, he's already spooled them, man. So he's just got to He's already play. spooled them. Yeah, he just yeah. needs to press play. Yeah, or whatever fun. button you press on a projector. I'm, <laughs> assuming, it's play. I'm <laughs> assuming it's play. I'm assuming it's play. What yeah. else would it be? A big, Roll? big green, sort of like sideways yeah. triangle play. Yeah, play. That's it. All right, then. So... We chose these two horses from the 535 Golden Gate Stakes handicapped at Ascot. You certainly did, Posh didn't we? Ascot. You wore did a you fascinator. Wear a fascinator? Oh, I thought you wore a fascinator. I, did, I didn't left I, mine yeah. on the train from Waterloo. I gave you Lose Your Wad. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And I, in return, uh, thanked you, obviously, and then gave you uh, mm -hmm. Liberty Lane. You did indeed. Okay, so Lose Your Wad, Liberty Lane. Who's going first? Lose Your Wad. We're going to lose our wads. All right. Right. I'm going to take us, uh, if you join me, and I know you will because you're a bloody good man, Graham. Uh, <laughs> we're going to take you to uh, 1980s America, Sweetwater, Texas. <laughs> and we're going to hook up with uh, Jamie McNash and her boyfriend, Elliot Bambers. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I've got to write these down. Uh, they're deep in love. They're in real love. This is the kind of uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, true uh, romance. True romance. In Alabama. Okay. In, man, yeah. Pumpkin and Honey Bunny. We are in love. Hail and Pace. Hail and Ball. <laughs> Little and Large. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, they, they are absolutely enwrapped in each other. Um, they're also... Dreaming, uh, as everyone did in the 80s, of living grand, putting their feet up, going to Maui, cocktails on Maui, baby. Greed is good, <laughs> everything's good. We want a piece of this pie, goddammit, we deserve it. Currently, in Sweetwater, Texas, they're all immersed in nefariousness. Uh, we meet them in the middle of their low-level conning, anything from pig-in-a-poke sales, almost like Del Boy-style wheeling and dealing, <laughs> but in, you know, Sweetwater, Texas to like timeshare frauds, real, real just grubby stuff. So we kind of meet them open with like a con um, where we kind of think Elliot might be a cop and he's sort of in the middle of busting a crying girl and a low level kind of drug dealer. Uh, he dismisses the crying girl, like takes pity on her, uh, gets the dealer alone, fleeces him completely for a stash of money. And then we see him leave the place that he was shaking this guy down in, gets into a car and sat in the seat is the uh, previously crying girl. And obviously it's Jamie. She adjusts herself, throw her arms around in beams. And this is how we meet the madly in love and somewhat grubby, sweetly desperate couple, Elliot and Jamie. Mm -hmm. The next time they try and run this con goes completely south elliot's dime store plastic 
badge that he's got to identify <laughs> himself as a cop, slips out of his wallet, hits the tile flooring and sounds like a bit of plastic as it exactly is. Nice. Uh, behind that badge is like a photo of Elliot sort of chugging these two massive champagne <laughs> bottles, topless. <laughs> Coney Island ah! kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, completely lost. And he's also kind of looking like dressed in a suit. He's kind of looking smart and incredibly happy, very different to how we see him at the moment. Uh, but we haven't got time to look at the photo any more than that man he's got a duck to flip out of there and things have got very nasty very quickly because he's been made they are both really shaken man like he was fired at as he's leaving the place mm -hmm. this has gone from them being kind of cutesy mischievous rip-off merchants to like no we've dabbed our toe in something a bit too much here we've been pretty badly made uh, in Sweetwater this is a kind of small town you can't run around doing this and you especially can't run around effing this up they gotta leave town Jamie's like, look, we've got to quit this small-time bullshit, baby. I'm meant for better things, goddammit. We both are. It's our destiny pudding. So, quick cut, sort of Guy Ritchie style. Bags packed, car starts. Uh, and in the car is Elliot's own personal sort of shrine to uh, Gordon Gecko from Wall Street. Um, in the trunk is just a raft of, like, self-help books and all of that kind of stuff, man. So they get the hell out of there. They burn rubber. They go to Oklahoma City. Uh, that's where Jamie's big sister, Tammy, lives. They turn up at like three in the morning in the pissed down rain. It's all, oh, big sis, give them the big cow eyes. I'm in a teeny weeny pickle, kind of crash with you. It'll be a few days, uh, weeks, uh, you know, whatever. And like the sister's just like woken up, man. She's like, it's fucking 3 a.m., man. Just get in, get in, man. At which point Jamie immediately perks up, stops being sorry for herself. Jamie is like, oh, great. It'll be just like the old days and quality time. Oh, shoot, I forgot. I'll just go and fetch Elliot. And at this point, Tammy's like, for just Jesus Christ, man, fine. So now we see Tammy, uh, who is a doctor, who has got a good job uh, in Oklahoma City. You know, she's, she's done well for herself, man. She's clearly the older, slightly more together of the two sisters. So Tammy says, if you're going to stay here, you've got to work at the hospital. I'll get you a low-level porter job, whatever, but you're going to pay your dues, man. I'm not just supporting both of you, and I'm not supporting his fucking broke ass sat down in my basement. You two losers are going to get a job with easy access to all the drugs in <laughs> all, the all the morphine that you can stuff into Absolutely, your pockets. Absolutely, man. So, low-level porter job, uh, that's part of the deal of Jamie and Elliot staying. She works, she pays her dues, keep your heads down. As a porter, she's got pretty good access. She manages to start getting a nice little supply, just here and there, just a little bit to supplement. Mm -hmm. Elliot's not working One still. for you, one for me. Whoa. Young uh, Jamie is doing this and bringing home the bacon and the drugs. <laughs> Elliot. <laughs> the drugs are wrapped up in bacon. In bacon. <laughs> drugs, drugs in blanket. Um, the amount of drugs I would take if they came wrapped in bacon. Oh, it's just Insane. all of it. Yeah, I'm very much like, I guess, a sort of like dog that needs worming in that respect. <laughs> if you, anything you need to get into my body, just put bacon around it and it will happen. So while Jamie is uh, half inch in, uh, heckload of pharmaceutical drugs. Um, she's bringing that back to Elliot, who is enjoying distributing this all around Oklahoma City. He's not got a problem, man. He's got the gift of the gab. This is where we're introduced to a character called Robert Lyons. And he is a star of several of these VHS tapes that Elliot has got hold of. And he is this big foghorn, leghorn, bullshit, <laughs> alpha male, Frank TJ Mackey from Magnolia-style guru, who is all self-help books and catchphrases. While Elliot is ensconced at home, um, Jamie, of course, gets too greedy. There is a massive stack of boxes that she just 
she doesn't take a little bit for me and a little bit for you. She's like, look, we can make a swift like 20 grand off of this man. I'm taking the whole thing. Obviously, the minute she tries to leave, she can't disguise that about her person. She gets completely busted. And they call Tammy in because Tammy is the one who got the job who is also working at this hospital, man. And they are like... Jamie swears Tammy's got nothing to do with this. She hasn't got any clue. It was all me. Takes the fall for it, at least, and tries to protect her sister the best that she can. And she managed to do a good enough job that Tammy is suspended, but she's not out. Jamie, she's... She's like, I'm going to give one more fuck you to the hospital because fuck you and you fired me and fuck you. <laughs> she's not the brightest fuck spark, you, Tammy. Is she? No, she's not. And she's also like, I can probably now, and the way she sees it is, now I have uh, no connection with the hospital, no responsibility to the hospital. This is where I can go in and I can really nab something. Yeah. She does this. There's a big old box of stuff outside the loading bay and she sees a little dude wander off and as right. always the opportunist goes, right, I'm going to have that, man, yoink. So she just nicks this and she takes it home um, and, yeah, so she never passed off an opportunity, man. So when Tammy is uh, otherwise uh, out, she's going and blowing off some steam somewhere. Or, sorry to interrupt, no, no. could she... She has this plan, like they won't even change the locks. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Gets there, finds out. Well, of course they've changed the locks. I pass on some work. She can't do anything. So she's like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake! And then she sees it. Like, right, I'm Way going better. to just fuck this. Fuck it. I'm, not, I'm having that. Perfect. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what happens, man. She's so, so arrogant. She thinks that they, she could just breeze right in. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's of course it. And we see the like the cool walk. We're doing like the cool walk. It's maybe like yeah, we've got think- Sweet Home Alabama kicks back in. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm then- thinking like. Um, Daryl Hannah in Kill Bill as she's walking down the hospital, you know? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. ends with like a face plant on the shut glass door or <laughs> yeah, something yeah, like just, that. They just don't open. Yeah. <laughs> and the security guard just stood by, like, with, like, shaking his head slowly at her. Points to the wall and there's a big picture of her. <laughs> yeah, it's just a cut out. <laughs> Do not let yeah. her in. <laughs> nope. So, incensed, Jamie makes beelines for the back, takes a box of ampules, a uh, big old box of ampules, gets the hell back to Elliot, and they're like, Okay, well, what the fuck is it, man? Are you just... It's clear liquids. I don't know what this is already, Elliot's like, like it might get you high, man. Like, it could be... What can we do? We can, still, we can use this. It's got to nice. be for something. This has a purpose. It's be for we can make yeah. something from it. And so they are sort of like taking a little bit, they're dabbing a bit on the tongue, and we sort of like hard cut to them talking like they got like a mouthful of bread or something. And like, are you high yet? I... <laughs> I think I'm high, and and they're both talking like this with each other, and they're like, I can't feel fucking anything, man. We've got a batchload of anaesthetic. Brilliant. I'm not high, I just can't talk very well, and my hands feel all weird, and now my mouth feels weird. I feel like I've been to the fucking dentist. No one's going to want this, man. So at some point, Elliot goes, uh, like, I'm just, he's, he's, he's at a low point now, man. He goes off to the shower, jerks off, uh, and he comes back out, and he's like, my dick feels like a ghost. This is just a fucking bus, baby. We are cursed, man. Elliot dips a little bit as they get out money bag. There's a few stacks left, and they've amassed a few from the sales from all of the uh, pharmaceutical stuff, man. He goes off, chips off to the movies to see Predator. And as he's watching it, he sees Jesse Ventura give the uh, goddamn sexual tyrannosaur speech about his chewing tobacco. And Elliot's like... I had a dick ghost, sexual tyrannosaur anaesthetic. 
okay, I think I can sell this, man. I fucking think I've got something here. I'm a sexual fuck. I'm a, that's how we're selling it, man. This is what we mm. got. This is it. This is it. Right. I'm a charming bastard, man. I can sell ice to Eskimos, etc. And with all this self-help stuff I've been learning recently, like, <laughs> this is just a surefire win. I can package this up. I can sell it to anyone. Shh. Do you mind, sir? Can you just like, yeah, can you have your epiphany out in the foyer, please? Sir? <laughs> Sorry, sir. Well, like that'd be really funny. I like, just going through that, and then like the um, the cinema usher's torch just like shines on his face. <laughs> You know, I'm so sorry. Yeah, and I wanted to start like, goddamn sexual tyrannosaur. I can do this. I can fucking do this. I'm charming. I'm a charming guy. Yeah, yeah. And then like, the light goes in his face, almost like a light bulb going off. Yes, and he stands up and like his arms yeah. are out and he's like, I'm a sexual tyrannosaur. And he's out. He's, he's out of the yeah. movie. He doesn't care what happens Amazing. to uh, Butch, man. He's like, right, well, we can't just sell the ampules. We're going to mix this with some like moisturising cream or something like that. Uh, we're going to tell everyone that it turns you into a sexual tyrannosaur, a dynamo, man. It means you can't even barely feel what's going on. You're going to last forever, blah, blah, blah. All of this kind of absolute inflated bullshit yeah. kind of a thing, man. It starts selling pretty well because he's pretty fucking good at selling things, man. This is like some pretty full-on anaesthetic that they nick. They're mixing this with the moisturising cream that they can get job lot. Like, this just like industrial-scale moisturiser, basically, that they get like yeah. gallons of. Mix it up until we'll see. We'll do a little montage of them like testing the numbness yes, of their hand. I, I was on just going to say, like, yeah, just doing loads of hand shots, like, like testing out the form. <laughs> too much, not enough. Too much. How's that? That's good. And just like random household objects and like being like, yeah. like you know, slapping like, oh, I, don't, I can't feel it, you know, that kind of stuff, man. Or like, Amazing. and also like um, when Tammy gets home and they've been testing and like manufacturing all day, they've obviously got to hide this from Tammy as this is all subterfuge mm. happening in the basement kind of a thing. Uh, and so they're going to be like at dinner dropping knives and forks and things <laughs> like that, not being, and, like, being really like <laughs> T-Rexy with their hands and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so true to his word, man. Elliot smashed it. He's doing pretty flipping amazingly, man. Amazing. This is so cool. We see Jamie go back to the well and try to get that box again around the same time. I need. We're going to run out eventually. We've got to kind of keep the. There's, you know, there's no sign of that. That was just complete random happenstance, man. It's not going to happen twice. So you've got to find a different source for this kind of stuff. And you're yeah. also facing the fact that your product is hot and it is kicking off, man. And as Elliot is rising and rising, as obviously as his arrogance, his ego has been fed mm. like a hungry baby and he is mm, at the teats, <laughs> man. He loves it and he's expanding and growing bilious on it uh, to the point that he thinks, well, maybe this dude in those VHS tapes that I find so damn inspiring, maybe this alpha male mofo would get a little kick out of selling something like this. He's got products, he's got books, he sells like self-help things. And he's like, hold on a minute, Destiny. Yeah, you are my destiny, man. We're gonna, we're gonna have a sponsorship. We're gonna have a goddamn franchise, J-Baby. Marketing, <laughs> packaging, branding, uh, Wadstoppers, uh, T-Sex. Uh, uh, all I've got to do is get to him, man. So the racket grows and grows, man. But they have no product anymore. They are complete, they're, they're like on the last couple of ampules of this box. They've done bloody well, but he can't start selling duff because then the bubbles burst and he's gone. They've got to really sort of uh, keep this momentum going, man. And Tammy, uh, at this point, I think will discover their grubby little basement operation. operation. And she's like, get out. 
maybe like throughout because time I feel like Tammy's kind of dropped out a little bit. She she's been in the she's been working, she's reinstated, so mm-hmm. she's been dealing with a rash, no pun intended, of these kind of incidents of like what the fuck is going on? And maybe like she does some tests or tests have been done and like uh, we know this this has got a weird anesthetic that is very rare, similar to the one that was stolen or went missing yeah the one like that we've got stock issues with right well that's brilliant so we thread we thread tammy getting sort of like um um and then we also have uh coulter melon from the fda comes in this is where the fda show up man because like tammy who is seeing this rash of uh uh well as swan melon puts it uh we got a lot of guys with non-cocks out there boys and i want to find out why uh <laughs> After that, I've written in brackets, he's from Boston, which I find quite unnecessary because I spelt Cox, C-A-U-U-U-U-U-K-S. I think, it, I think it's necessary to explain to the listener where you think Wait, that sorry, accent that is, is from. That's why I explained it. Yes, yes, absolutely. There we go. Okay. Um, so he's been following the trail good. as much. No. Dude, I've it been saying Ford or Ford to myself, like Ford or Ford podcast in my head. Ford or Ford. So we're mm-hmm. we are building on Tammy's uh, story. We are also expanding what is happening due to the actions of our two locked in in their own world, full in love couple that are just running their business and getting bank. They're like, well, we need to find someone else to hang off of. Uh, so let's go see Doug in Santa Fe, Elliot's brother. Mm-hmm. They go see Doug in Santa Fe and think now, Doug. He's a sweet, beautiful man. He's really genuinely good-hearted man and loves Elliot, thinks Elliot's... Because, like, Elliot went to the big city, man. And no matter where Elliot is now, Elliot... Like, he did flipping well, man. He was pouring champagne all over himself and Doug got a little taste of that sugar someday. He took him out for a trip. I can imagine... Doug in bars regaling his friends about his younger brother and his one thing he says, you know, my younger brother, he once wore a suit. They're just like, look, we need some product. We need medicinal product. And we know that we can get that south of the border. And that's not a million miles away from Santa Fe. Could you do us a favour, please? Could you take this little bit of money? And they... Oh, as they're giving the money, they open up their big sack of money because they want. Mm. They know that that's the thing that's going to blow his mind again, like his little brother being in a suit in the big mm. city, earning hundred grand a year or whatever it was, mm. man. So as they're taking out the hundred, uh, two hundred dollars, they hand it over and they're like, "Come on, look, look at all of this, man. There's lots more of this." Doug's in, and they like, "Here's where you need to go. You know, we're going to prep lines. You go down south. You get us the stock we need, man. We've got enough to like give them some samples, show mm-hmm. them what's going on. We're gravy, mate." So while he's heading off down to the border, they're going to Vegas, we see uh, Colt Swan Mellon at work and he starts to investigate and he follows the trail of gents appearing at A&E's with all sorts of numb willy type predicaments. Uh, <laughs> and he sees that the product is on the move as are our uh, two anti-heroes. So we are now going to sort of like cut between uh, the brother making his way and may I add very slowly to uh, Mexico. We get sort of a series of phone calls as they're like uh, desperately trying to check in and make sure everything's okay mm. and getting things in line. And we'll see uh, we'll see Doug sort of uh, in a Roswell, New Mexico hat. And he's just going <laughs> yeah. along, picking up souvenirs. And he's like outside uh, yeah. like America's biggest golf ball and uh, all of those <laughs> random roadside yes. attractions that you get. Yeah. And we'll just get a litany of them getting 
getting more and more stressed and being like, no, you're not fu- you're not even fu- you're not past the border yet, Doug, man. And he is so like genuine. He's not being a yeah. dick. He is just so lovely and he's enjoying life <laughs> and he's stopping and looking at everything. And even when he gets into Mexico, um, he gets more almost involved in like the kindness and fun and everything. Like just yeah. there's just music and distraction and noise and food and everything everywhere. And Doug's having yeah. a wait of the time, man. He's just about thinking about what he needs to do. I love this guy. So we get to Vegas, we see um, Elliot and Jamie start to finagle their way into like the big destiny, wellness and inspirational retreat for visionaries and bless them as well as um, sort of setting themselves up psychologically. They've also blessed their hearts, made some flip charts, uh, done some projections. They've actually tried to nail together a bit of a business model as they were there because they are realising, well, they they don't realise, but they both have hung this on the big hope. This is Cocktails on Maui. They get in in front of Lions, but... Elliot slightly rattled because Lyons is this big old four-corn leghorn of a man and <laughs> Elliot kind of fluffs his delivery a little bit when he's pitching his cream um, but the flip chart presentation does end with a massive graphic of money uh, so Lyons is <laughs> ears and eyes pick up he's like yeah, okay you've piqued my interest and they say look we bought <laughs> some samples um, but they win him over because Lyons is like okay well <laughs> How much? Uh, like, okay, so he'll, he'll take the samples. Right, let's see where this goes, man. And I guess we're going to cut back to Swan now to remind that these guys are still being hunted kind of a thing, and he's slowly tracking his way. We see a bit of Swan mobilising his guys, uh, talking about the numquarks, <laughs> getting them moving. Getting to Vegas, boys. So this is where we do a few more phone calls between Doug. We see him now in Mexico having, I'm afraid, a whale of a time. Much of the, and they're like, no, 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 no. Right, Doug, man, we've given the product now. Lions is coming back to us on this. And we need to be able to deliver. Because he's going to say yes, because it's destiny. Mm. We need to be able to deliver on this kind of a thing. Swan gets in town and he quite easily manages to trace the uh, medicine straight back to Lions, man. And he's like, right... So you're not only are you possibly peddling this already and you might already be in this man, but if you're not, you should know that that product has caused this amount of damage, is completely FDA unregulated and completely illegal. And Lies is like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, you say illegal? And he's like, yeah, yeah, this this is not an on-the-books medication, Kelsaprise. And he's like, right, how could it be? <laughs> And he's like, sweet baby elks don't care whose teeth they suck in as long as they get raised, right? And I'll raise this silly little pud putty ride. Ride as rain. And above board, hell, you get this through liggity split and there's a sweet little nub of saltwater taffy in it for you. And Swan goes like, what the fuck are you talking about, Robert? <laughs> yeah. Can you also explain to the listeners at home what the fuck right. you're talking he's about? He's like, look, dude, the thing is... I can take this idea... He completely drops his accent at this yeah, point. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> just, this is where it's like, this is the big reveal. It's actually me. Uh, it's all been me, guys. <laughs> and this is where he says, well, like, okay, so actually what I've got is not a product. I've got an idea. So if I take that idea... I can just have that myself. All they've done is brought me an idea. They haven't brought me a product. So how can we yeah. make this product viable? What do I have to do? You're the man. You're coming here telling me it's illegal. Great. Tell me how it is legal. How can I make it legal? And if you tell me that and help me, yeah, maybe I'll give you a little kicker. A bit of sweet, sweet nub of saltwater taffy, as it's known in all the con <laughs> circles, Graham. <laughs> yes, sorry. I, have, I, I let my membership to those circles lapse. So now... Elliot goes to make that final deal with Lyons because Lyons phones him. He says, right, you want some time, kids? Because Lyons just wants to rub it in. But he's like, you want some time, kids? Cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Two days' time. 
come to the Grand Luxor or wherever he is. So he's like two days and they phone um, they phone back to Doug and mm-hmm. that is where they find like he is still completely in the middle of Mexico not doing what he should be. He's just on holiday, man. He's kind of, kind of in the <laughs> yeah. most beautiful, sweet way, he's kind of Machu Picchu bound, man. He has just gone a wandering. Yeah. And there is nothing Elliot can do to get him back. You can't go and find something. He hasn't got the days to be able to even go down there and do it himself. They're kind of up against a wall there, man. So he decides that he's going to go to the meeting. He's going to sell it because that's what he does. He sells things, man. Mm-hmm. He can do this. He's going to be able to convince lions, no problem at all. He's got charm. Um, they've also got a metric ton of industrial moisturiser that they still have. I'll just mock up a whole bunch of stuff. Jamie, we're going to make the packaging beautiful just like we did the flip charts. This is going to sell, man. This isn't a mm-hmm. problem. So he goes in to uh, try and make lions uh, part with his money, at which point, he is now, he's up in the office and Lyons is there, just sat there sort of thinking, well, I'm just going to take this from under your feet, so I'm going to enjoy just rubbing this mm-hmm. in, you smug little wannabe con man. You want a con, you've come to the king of cons. Cons. Oh, nearly cons. Uh, <laughs> what are you trying to do, man? And Elliot's like, well, right, so we got a deal? Have we got a deal or not, man? And he's like, no, no, we haven't. Get the fuck out of my office. There's a man downstairs needs to see you. And Swan is, as I said, he's already approached Lions. They've already made their deal in the background. And, of course, the man downstairs is Swan, flanked by a couple of policemen. And Jamie is sat down in reception waiting, and she goes to get up and run to him immediately. And he just puts out, like, just no, he just signals, like, don't, don't fucking come anywhere near me, Jamie, sweetheart, man, and probably does. Again, you see just a true act of kindness that you don't see him do to anyone else in the movie kind of a thing. And he's just like, no, get the fuck away, get the fuck away, man. And... He goes away with Swan. He's arrested. Um, And that is kind of the end of poor Elliot for a while, man. Um, Mm -hmm. Jamie also, she gets hit by a lot. She doesn't go to prison. Elliot goes to prison. Jamie gets hit by a hell hell of a lot of, like, warnings, home uh, home arrest, that kind of thing. Is back living not very um, peacefully with Tammy. Mm -hmm. We'll cut forward to, like, Elliot's prison release. And we'll see him sat there looking a bit older, a lot less slick, um, sort of hair falling in his face, uh, looking pretty flippin' unhappy underneath this big garish sign in the lobby of a foyer of a, another wellness seminar that's nothing to do with lying somewhere. And he's peddling like unguents, creams, pills, knockoffs of knockoffs of the knockoff <laughs> of the product that he and Jamie first made. And that's how he's making his living. And then we see the doors open and we hear some footsteps and he looks up and there's Jamie and she's come back for him and she says hey there baby boy you're looking kind of down I've got a sweet little condo set up in San Antonio could do with someone to sit around all day watching their bullshit shows in it and he (laughs) sort of looks up and he's just like tears now sort of in his eyes and he's like yeah it's not exactly cocktails and Maui is it and he takes her hand and they start walking out together and then Jamie waits a beat. She nips back to the desk, grabs the cash box that was on the side of the desk, and then they leave together. <laughs> Roll credits. Roll credits. That was fantastic. That was Lose Your Wad. That was Lose Your Wad. That was amazing. There we go. Yes, they all lost their wad. Um, and they, they were trying to make people, word. they were saying they could make people stop losing their word. Again, literalist <laughs> kicked in. <laughs> oh, that was really great. I did not expect that. I really thought you were going to go for 
East End London gangsters. And so did I. And you surprised me in the most beautiful way. <laughs> I'm so glad you enjoyed it, man. Thank you. All right. Well, I think we we need to dive in because I've I've written some names, got some ideas. Do it go. Okay, man. Okay. Um, groovy. So, uh, what should we start with? Should we start with directors, or do we want to start with some stars? What we think? I think let's maybe start with stars, the stars. Definitely. Let's, yeah, yeah. let's do the start with the stars. So, Jamie McNash. For her, I was chucking around maybe Anna Kendrick. Okay. Um, I also thought, um, was it Samara Weaving as well, maybe? But I think... Yes. Because of the the energy kind of Yeah, thing. she's fantastic. She was great in Ready or Not. Yeah. She does She does this really lovely little snort, snort laugh. with a laugh. Yes. It's so perfect. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was a, a mistake in the take, but it was really good. It's a lovely little human moment. Yeah, and she's a great show. So that would be nice, and and, and there's just so much energy. So that that's two I've got yeah. for okay. uh, Jamie McNash. Okay, I've got um, Aubrey Plaza. Oh, that's a very and good I've call. got Juno Temple because I was thinking about what's it called? Dirty Joe? Something Joe? No, it's called uh, Killer Joe. Beautiful Killer Joe. Word. Thank there you. Go. Yes. So I was thinking of her in that. I was thinking, and I was also thinking of her energy in. Mm-hmm. Um, Ted Lasso as That's well. That's really good, yeah. See, I think that kind of bubbly... That's a really, yeah. ...great um, kind of get-up-and-go opportunist as well, thinking fast on her feet. So I think Samara Weaving or Juno Temple. I like Juno Temple, I think. I think, like, that. yeah, that's fitting in my head now. That's slotted in, like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> OK. Uh, for Elliot Bambers, Olden Einreich. Yes, that's a good shout. I've got, probably a bit too old, but the first person I wrote down was James McAvoy. Oh. Because I was thinking of Filth and I was thinking of um, Atomic Blonde. Yeah. That kind of the scuzziness, but he's also, <laughs> as we know, a nuclear charm yep. bomb. Ah, okay. Intro. Right, who are we talking for Doug then? Where are you going for Tom? Well, who have you got for Doug? Uh, my initial, because I love, he's got very soulful, lovely eyes, like a beautiful puppy dog, even if he's being kind of a horrible uh, person in some movies, would be Macon Blair. Oh, lovely. Yes, he does have lovely... Because he's lovely. Yeah. Okay. Who have you got for uh, Doug I've only... Bambers I've now got two. Lo- the, ju- the journeyman Doug Bambers. I've only got two... I've got two now, but I had one originally, and it was just the first thing I wrote down as soon as you said, sweet older brother, Sean William Scott. Oh! <laughs> that is a fantastic shout. Yes, he's, he is hired. Yeah, it's he's goon. so sweet. Goon. He's, goon, yeah. He's so sweet. He's so lovely. You can imagine him just, like, going off the oh. rails. But I can imagine him with, like, by the big, largest golf ball of West Texas. I can imagine he's him... Like, oh, it's so good. The a massive steakhouse and a cookout, yeah. like, just doing all these... Yeah, with the bib in and the, the, bib the in, knife and floor. And these bad yeah. selfies and stuff like that. And just... And having the nicest, sweetest time in Mexico. Uh, we'll have him have a Polaroid, and then we can do, like, yeah. the Polaroid pictures as the credits roll at the end of Doug's Adventure. Yeah, Doug's we'll Adventure. Yeah. There we go. Yes, mate. I love Sean Millions. Yeah, we'll have him. Okay. Since you mentioned Making Blood, that moved me on to, if you were going for like an an older actor than Sean Williams Scott, then I thought of maybe Paul Walter Hauser, who was in um, that Richard Jewell. He was in I, Tonya. He was in... Uh, Yeah. Well, dude, I, Tonya was another touch point for my brain when I was thinking about the film, that kind of desperate people doing stuff. Well, I've only got... I'm going to hold up to you because you can't see it because it's a podcast, but I can hold up to you. I've only got one director, which is Craig Gillespie, who who directed I, Tonya. Right, and And guess what is on my uh, 
guess what is on there. Could be an I, Tonya like drama, Craig Gillespie, mm-hmm. or Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden, who did Mississippi yeah. Grind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. Um, or I could also see maybe Bennett Miller, but he might get a little bit he's too a bit, real. He's a bit austere, isn't he? He's like, cool. That's the thing. So we want some he's fun. Very good, though. Craig Gillespie would be hilarious. For, I've got two for Robert Lyons. Okay, right. I've got... This I also have quite two. Quite I'm so interested to see. Right, so just a quick tally. Okay. I was thinking, like, maybe Chris and Wig or Linda Cardinelli, maybe. Nice. Um, and then for Lyons... Uh, <laughs> right, we'll this, do is show st- this is a, the show-stopping <laughs> casting, right? You have to have someone who's going to just... Big, he's just going to walk in and absolutely rinse this film. Yeah, so okay. I've got uh, Danny McBride. Yes, that's my first choice. Yeah! <laughs> 100% Danny McBride, yes. He was the first uh, thing I've written down. Well, that's all we're putting. I, I've also got, like, Don Johnson as a second, but, like, uh, he is a second. My second... Like, yeah, no, Danny McBride. My second was Charlie Day. Yeah. Because I can imagine, like, the motor mouth, um, explosive energy. I always just... The train's about to derail energy when he's trying to sell stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that 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 focus on the prize the minute he sniffs some blood in the water, which yeah. he does almost immediately, man. Yeah, okay. But Danny McBride, it has to be. Well, no, it one hundred percent is just yeah. the clips like on the TV that's going on in the background when you see clips of his show that he's just watching and the adverts with the number <laughs> in yellow text yeah. on the bottom yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Yep, yep. And all pastel colour backdrops in the background yeah. and all that. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Okay, oh, fantastic. Man, I think man. we really locked that casting down pretty quickly. I think. Yep. Amazing. So thank you so much. That was a fantastic pitch for Lose Your Wad. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Amazing. That. All right. Graham, man, thank you, Oodles, uh, for listening to that and your contributions as well. That was really appreciated. You're welcome. And, I love uh, it. I'm going to be even more demanding now. And <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask you very kindly if you would mind sharing uh, your pitch of uh, Liberty Lane. I will love to share my pitch of Liberty Lane and I always want to play to type, by which I mean 70% complete pitch. There's some room for development, especially towards the third act. So we'll do some development as we go along and yes, see what absolutely. happens. Let's, let's, let's get cooking, man. Okay, so here is my pitch for Liberty Lane. So we start in a lovely American suburban area maybe in like the late 1960s, we'd have some nice string music, a bit like the opening of, I don't know, The Big Lebowski. <laughs> See them tumbling down. Low tracking shot across the, the tarmac. We pan up and we see the lovely suburban houses, pastel colours, Cadillacs, perfect grass, come up past the road sign, Liberty Lane. And then we come up to a house, Halfway down the lane, lovely porch, and a woman in her 60s is sitting on the porch swing, looking out at the lovely suburb, maybe uh, waving at passing neighbours. Paperboy drives past. <laughs> Very wholesome Americana scene, the perfect yeah, start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then her husband. I feel like I'm getting nervous with about this, <laughs> but like, I totally I am. am. It, Sorry, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> and then her husband shuffles out of the house and he's got a tray of iced tea. He sits down next to her, puts his arm around her, hands her the tea, and they sip. And then we flash to white, eyes open, and a man, Charlie, uh, in his 40s, uh, is standing, looking down at the earth. He's at a funeral. He's looking at the earth, and we have a slow push in on his face and his eyes. He's thinking, and he's quite far away, unblinking, kind of emotionless. 
as the uh, the sounds of the sermon or whatever it is. So just muffled in the background. Just muffled like, in the background. Yeah. 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 His head starts to hurt as he's looking. He just rubs his temple a little bit, takes out a little vial and takes a, a paracetamol. And then Charlie, at night, he's alone in the attic of his house and he's working on a little model train set. And then we, we come up over his shoulder to see this model of a town, this train sets a town, and then we, the camera goes down into the town and it kind of comes to life as we see... Are we cars mimicking going... that shot from the first intro of Liberty Lane or...? Um, yes, similar. Or maybe the shot of um, in Beetlejuice, I guess, where the credits are going. Ah. And it's going through the town, but it's coming alive and it's, it's showing the actual location. He's making this model of the town that he lives in. Um, you know, there's a diner, there's a town square, there's a theatre, and it all comes to life as he's working away. So we get to see the life of this town. Right. Then we cut to him leaving his house in the morning and he's going to work in a department store. And in the department store, uh, Charlie dresses the windows and he moves the mannequins around. You know, he's quite helpful. He's quite creative. They give him a task. We've got to sell these appliances, make it look nice. And he's really good at making these window displays or these displays within the department store images of what modern life at the time was like. So women fawning over these new refrigerators and these coolerators and these blenders and stuff. And he's made this, these wonderful displays of these home lives. They're almost like life-size models. Like the detail is incredible. And everyone compliments him on these amazing displays. And he's very quiet and shy. He just goes about his business. He's very yeah. kind of... You know, humble, I guess. He's Deeply just unassuming of, guy. Just very unassuming yeah. guy. Do we see it? We don't see him talking to many people or interacting. He's no, just he's just coming. On. He's just coming to getting on with his job. And um, salesman Jared is there, and he comes in and he brings some people into this this kitchen, and he manages to sell so many appliances because the the people are so enamoured with the detail that has gone into it, like way above and beyond. Um. Charlie has made like in the fridge. He's made like fake trifles. He's yeah, made like he, cookies, and there's like kids' pictures on the fridge. Exactly. As well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. He's gone. He's thought about who lives there, and somehow he's managed to conjure the histories that are so specific that they somehow relate to everybody. Then we cut to Charlie sitting in a doctor's office, rubbing his temple, and the doctor's opposite the desk, and he says, "Okay, well." We can operate. Uh, there's a good chance of survival. You're on the list, but we have to tell you that the tumour in, in your head is growing. Here's some pills. They're quite strong. You know, don't operate any heavy machinery. Lol. That kind of thing. <laughs> so Charlie leaves uh, the hospital, and then we cut to the evening at the local theatre, and Charlie's working backstage at the theatre, and he's doing the props that he's built. Um, it's a smaller Amdram production for this for this town, but it's like well received. They got good, they got a good theatre. They got a good uh, repartee going, and there's a big applause for the end of the the performance. And after the audience have filed out, the actors and the troupe all gather around and they all have a toast. And mm -hmm. one actor takes Charlie aside kindly and says. Um, that he really notices the details that Charlie employs and everything, and it really helps him. And he says, uh, oh. like in the scene when I have to react to the love letter that I found, um, there was no acting from me because the love letter was so beautifully written. Mm. I just read it on stage and I react. So I thank you so much for the detail. Like, I'm supposed to be a very posh, well-to-do character, but you've and you've sewn some beautiful embroidery into the lining that no one will ever uh, see, yeah. but I know it's there and it makes yeah. me. So Charlie's just so got this. So he's getting some of the recognition that bloody Jared 
didn't yes. get via mm. this, mm. then yeah, good. I'm glad at least. Some yeah, the artist recognises yeah. his yeah. yeah his talent. After the show, they're introduced to a new cast member who's joining the troupe. Um, an actor, young actor called Rosie, and is taking over uh, the lead role for this play from Sonny, who was the previous leading actor in this performance, who's left town to accept a role that they all say is going to lead to Hollywood. You know, she's going to the the big town. She's got a role. Yeah, she's made she's it. Made she's it. like the, yeah, the local talk of the town, man. Yeah. And Rosie's taking over, but everyone's really welcoming. She's really enigmatic and divine, as most leading actors are in this kind of thing. Hmm. She's backstage. She looks at the pictures of the actors on the wall, and she sees one of Sonny in a beautiful sequin number with this lovely tiara. And then Charlie comes in to, you know, say hello and go about the costumes and stuff. And... She, um, Rosie ignores Charlie because he's kind of a stagehand and he's unassuming. She doesn't... Not part of the, yeah, 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 yeah. the backstage crew. She yeah. kind of, she'll say hello or hi and that's about it. And then she like takes her costume and just dumps it on the floor and flounces out. Charlie picks up the costume very carefully, puts it back on the hanger and, you know, makes it all short. It's all nice for rehearsals. And he looks at the picture of Sonny on the wall and just kind of straightens it a little bit, kisses his finger and just touches her face. Just... Puts it right. And as he's turning to leave, he finds on the floor Rosie's lipstick's fallen out of a handbag or a pocket or whatever. Yeah. He picks it up and he puts it in his pocket. Cut to nighttime in bed, Charlie alone in his little house in the attic, looking up at the ceiling, thinking, pondering. And he takes out the lipstick and he unrolls it and he's just looking into the light, just looking at the colour. And then he rolls it back down, clips it, the lid back on and just puts it on his bedside table and just turns out the light. Okay. So anyway, next day at work, uh, the salesman, Jared, is now ordering workers to trash the display, get rid of it. You know, we've done this now, we need a new display. Mm-hmm. And Charlie arrives and he's very distressed about it. Um, he doesn't like it. He is getting a bit animated, a bit angry about it. Like, you're, you're destroying this, you don't understand, like, this item... And he goes and he just goes on to this kind of panicked spiel about the history of this item, which is just like a showpiece blender. But he goes into like recipes of margaritas that uh, a previous owner used to have. He has all of this in his head. He can see it all. And he's really upset. And he's really on edge that it's getting um, smashed a bit or just like yep. dis- dismantled. And, and Jared, like slick for want of a better word, because he just works in a department store in a small town. He's a slick, but he's not getting involved. He's just directing it. Yeah. And then in a flash of anger, Charlie kind of, as they go to take away the mannequins of the family, Charlie like jumps in front of them to protect them. And he picks up like a shard of glass off the floor and like holds it out and says like, leave them alone, like protect them. And, and Jared's like, okay, we know that you, you have strong feelings. It's fine. And he says like, dude, we're going to, they're going, they're going to go away, but look at your hand. Okay. It's just getting too much. And he's holding the shard of glass so strongly his, his hand is bleeding. And then the uh, the boss comes, the manager of the department store comes, and a kindly man takes Charlie away and kind of bandages his hand and talks him down and says, look, you know that this happens not every time, but you do know that this happens because we've got to change the setup because your work is so beautiful. We sell so much, and you know. And then he he puts um, a little magazine out, like a a trade magazine and says, like, look at these, look at these wonderful products that we're going to sell next. We're going to do a garden scene. Do you reckon you can do a garden mm-hmm. scene for me? Man, and Charlie nice talks looks at slowly, like, talking him down. Yeah. That's lovely. And yeah. Charlie like, starts looking at the picket fences and the, the, 
the drum barbecues and whatever paraphernalia they had in the 50s for barbecuing, grilling and stuff like that. So Charlie gets bandaged and um, he, he, he lets him go for the day. So says, go home, just rest, think about this garden scene because I want it to be the best display that we've ever done and I need the best person to do it and you're the best person. So please, Charlie, take the day off. Everything's fine, I'm sorry you got upset. And Charlie's, you know, okay. And so then Charlie goes to the cinema, he's got the afternoon off, so he goes to the pictures and he's watching the, the flicks and he notices in the cinema, or uh, is Rosie? They make eye contact. Rosie says, you know, I recognise you, I'm new to town, but I recognise you from the theatre. I'm sorry if I was a little bit offhand. I was meeting so many people, so many names, you know. Yeah. Sorry, um, but I do recognise you from the theatre. Do you want to go get some pie? So they go to the diner and they get some pie and um, Charlie starts talking about Sonny. The actor's now gone to Hollywood. He's got very starry eyes and he's um, so happy that she's going to go on and achieve great things. And he says, you know, you're, you know, you're different from Sonny. You know, I, I've seen you on stage and in the role and off stage too. You're, you're different from, from her. And uh, Rosie's like, how so? And he goes, you know, just you're just different. And then Rosie says, like, takes offence. She changes, but in a, a f- kind of a fake, jokey way. Okay, she, yeah, she's yeah. like, what do you mean? You mean that Sonny's a better actor than me, don't you? More pizzazz. She's got it going on. That's why she went to Hollywood, and I'm just nobody. Is that what you're saying to me? <laughs> Wait a minute. You were fucking her, weren't you? You were together. And she's, like, needling him. And, and um, Charlie just shuts down completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gets frustrated. And he said, oh, I've got it. And he leaves immediately. And just gonna, <sighs> And she's like, okay, that's odd. And I really didn't mean to... And it's right. clear to us as an audience member as well that she's yeah. doing the proper jokey thing. Yes. You know, we, we get all of the cues. He, do, he just d- doesn't yeah. get the cues. And yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. Um, okay... I mean, I, that's probably my fault. I went too far because I don't know him. This is what she's internally thinking. Yeah, she doesn't, yeah, yeah, she doesn't yeah. have a monologue in the middle of time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you hear my inner monologue? <laughs> okay. Then we cut to later on. Charlie's watching Rosie from backstage as he performs. And he starts like looking at it. He's rubbing his temple and a headache, a headache is coming. And then <laughs> that night we follow Charlie into his house for the first time and you know, he hangs up his coat and his hat. He walks in and he starts talking to someone as if Someone's there, like, honey, I'm home. You wouldn't believe. Gee, what a day. What a day at the store. And he turns on and he turns all the lights and there's mannequins in his house. Yeah, 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 okay. (laughs) They're all like dressed up. And he talks to them, but he basically at this point, he talks to them but uses them to practice interactions like so, life like life so the things yeah. that have happened to him through the day he replays them can we have him replay and then redo takes and yes, improve exactly. or change every time yes. he's doing it? and like we're just getting his side I, this is so cool i love this scene already but yeah he walks in he does he puts his hat comes back out puts his hat on a different way on the hat stand yeah addresses a different way and then he walks to the room and on the corner of the room is a mannequin dressed up as a salesman, as Jared. Yeah. And he comes in and he he waggles his fingers like, I really don't like the way that you you took down these things. You don't have any respect for the artistry that I put on. I think that we should work together and be more collaborative about how we do this. And he's like, oh, it's not right. And he goes back out and he comes back in and he says, you know what? And he just gets a bit more angry and then he comes back out and he gets a bit more kinder. And he does this like repeated, like the way <laughs> just trying to get to the and right I, I response. Want, like- 
like like have a point when he goes in and he like starts talking, but then he's cut off and he <clears> just stands there for ages and his head's down, his head's down, yeah, his yeah. head's down, and then he like fucking blows up and reacts as and if then he's just got a massive and dressing back down. in, and then he yes. comes back in, oh, and this goes yes. on, yeah. and then lastly he just bolts in stark naked and just dives at this Jared statue and just starts stabbing and beating oh. it and ripping it to pieces oh, no. and silently screaming and silently mouthing because, you know, neighbours. Yeah, and he's, the, the cuts reopened on his hand from the, the glass and it's splaying across everything like yeah. almost he is killing someone. There's blood flying, yes. blood splatters. Yep. So we cut to the sounds of the department store. And Charlie's, like, leaning against a post. It's a few days later. And he's just looking with very benevolent, loving eyes. And we come around and we see the beautiful garden scene that he's created. It's perfect. And it's... um, There's mannequins, like, on a sun lounger. There's one by the grill. There's a beautiful um, lawnmower propped up against the fence. You know, it's just... It's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely advert music from the 50s starts playing. It's obviously the woman's rosy... Obviously, it's him who's, like, mowing the lawn or whatever. He's cooking the sausages. And this is a beautiful, idyllic fantasy that he's seeing on this thing that he's laid out on the showroom floor. But then the fantasy is cut sharp very quickly by a hand on his shoulder as Jared walks past, giving me a little squeeze, leading some people into the the showroom floor to sell them these beautiful things. I'll take it from here. Well done, Charlie. Great work. From that, we cut to the theatre in the evening. And all the players are gathered around for some sort of announcement. And uh, Rosie comes in and she goes out of her way to kind of sit next to Charlie. Mm -hmm. She sits down next to him and she says, like, whispered before the announcement starts, while, like, mics are being set up or whatever. She's like, I'm I'm really sorry if I upset you at the diner. And I was only playing with you and I'm really sorry. I don't really know you and I must have done something wrong. I don't know anybody in this town. Can we just be friends? I would really like a friend in this town. And Charlie says, yes, of course, we can be friends. Yeah. And they shake hands. And the announcement or the presentation starts. And some big wigs come on in fancy suits. And there's talk in the crowd. Oh, they're from Hollywood. They must be from Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, they're suits. So sparkly shoes. And it's amazing. These big wigs come on. These Hollywood big wigs come on stage. And they say, OK, out just outside of the town, we are going to put on one of the biggest film productions you guys have ever seen. It's one of the biggest in Hollywood history. It's going to be amazing. But we need props and we need set builders because we're going to build a town. This is going to be... You think you thought Gone with the Wind was big? <laughs> this is going to be ten times, this is ten times bigger than Cleopatra. We need so every we need carpenter. Help. We need every bricklayer. We need yes, everyone who can everything. point a finger and tell someone where to yeah. go. We need you all, guys. We, yeah. we need you. We need all you guys. And because you're the local theatre in town, we spoke to the theatre manager and said, how do we go about doing this? And do you know what the theatre manager said? The theatre manager said there's one person in this place who could project manage all of this for us. And I, I believe his name is Mr. Charlie. Is that his name? Oh, oh no, They, they don't no, really know his yeah. full name either. They call him Mr. Charlie. And Mr. Um, Charlie stands up and everyone gives him a round of applause. He can't quite figure out what's going on. And but he's been given the task of building this town, this this film set, this town with real um, rooms and real decor and real. Yeah, he's lives getting to like and, make his model and, and scale it yeah. up to real life. And they say, okay, we're going to build this town. It, it's on a plane, which and on a flat plane about you know for, not an airplane <laughs> on a flat plane about forty kilometers drive from here. Whatever we've got it all marked out. It's going to be amazing. Just get out there. So. Um, everyone's clapping and Rose is clapping and it's the happiest moment of Charlie's life. So we then get like a building the town montage 
and we get like the carpenters knocking in, maybe a big, lovely, um, famous 50s happy song, insert song here. <laughs> but we will have like a music, a lovely musical show tune montage yeah. as they're building this town and Charlie's really throwing himself into it. You know, he's staying behind late. Um, he's getting in there early. He's writing notes and diaries and putting them in the writing bureaus. He's creating all the life in this wonderful town. He's dressing the mannequins. He's positioning them for, like, the camera tests yeah. and all these things that are going to happen. It's going to be great. And then Rosie and Charlie are getting a bit closer with each other in a friendly kind of way. And they're set building um, during the day and at night. They're having the performances of the play. Everything's going great. We're intercut with the salesman in a... Nice way, not doing so great because no one's there to do his like displays. <laughs> Maybe he's trying to do them himself and they're just shit. They're rubbish. Yeah, they're like yeah. the polar opposite of yeah. everything. That, and they make you feel like ill looking at them. They yeah. kind of, yeah. It's yeah. a bit they're like really a shiny everything's just yes. a little bit off of, uh, off yes. of centre. Yeah, so that's going on. And then, um, then we would get down the one of the roads as the town's getting built. We get the hero shot. But we get at the beginning coming across along the tarmac and as it comes up, someone walks past a sign that's been hammered mm. in and it says Liberty Lane on this beautiful set, this town. Yeah. And everything's going lovely. The performance that night is going on. But then the montage comes to a horrible end <laughs> where performance is cut short by a horrific scream for backstage, a real Blood curdling. Like people are your pants. in trouble. Someone, something, someone's in trouble. Yeah. And they rush past and they see Charlie on the floor just clutching his head. He's got this the biggest, it's almost as if his brain's exploded. And then we cut to Charlie, wakes up in the hospital. The trooper there. And they, they all wish him well. I'm so glad you're okay. And they kind of file out because the doctor arrives. Oh, good, you're awake because your brain is jelly. Right, uh, the right. Tum- the tumour's like oh the size of a melon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, do- the doctor rushes everybody out and Charlie asks um, if Rosie can stay behind because he needs a bit of support Definitely. and they become mates. Yeah, yeah. And she wants and to as well. She will also instigate me asking you that, I think, yeah. at that point, definitely. So, and yeah. the doctor says, yes, it's fine. And then the doctor explains that the condition has got really worse. And... <laughs> doctor we, terminology right there. Can, yeah, it's <laughs> got, got really, really, really worse. <laughs> it's got really worse. <laughs> that was really terrible, worse. wasn't it? It's <laughs> got really worse. It's got much more worse It's got really worse. I'm so sorry. On a scale of worser, it's got less better. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're near to worser. Yeah. <laughs> really, yeah, worse. Yeah. So they, he says, you know, you've got... We can... The odds of surviving of an operation yeah, now pretty low. Yeah, yeah. We can do it. But they're low. So what you're looking at are the short months now. But we've got some really strong pills that what they can do is, A, ease the pain. So you might ride it out long enough to have the operation should you choose to take it because these chances of survival are very, very slow. Or it will ease your pain so that you can just ride it out until you go. Until, yeah. Rosie takes them home and she's wheelchair up the, the driveway up to the house, the steps, and he says, that's okay, I've got it from here. She says, no, I can, I'll help you in. And No, no, it's fine. I'll, I'll go in. I don't want you to see me all, you know. I can take care of myself. I'll take myself to bed and it's, everything's going to be fine. She says, okay, treacle. Mm-hmm. So if you need anything, you know where I am, you know my apartment number, just give me a bell. And she leaves and he, he calls after her with a kind of newfound sense of confidence. And he says, you know, would you like to get a, get a drink or get dinner with me sometime? It would just be really nice to to see you and she says yes of course that would be lovely but you know just as friends just to <laughs> lay it out for him and he says yes of course of course of course of course 
he, once he's a little bit better, he gets ready for the date. We see him practising himself in front of the mirror. He's got Sue, he's doing his tie, he's practising his lines. Is he practising with a mannequin at all? Is he brought... He's in, fr- he's fr- he's front, he's in the front mirror. of the mirror. Yeah, OK. Mm-hmm. He's practising himself, he's miming, shaking a hand. And then he turns to the side and next to the mirror is a mannequin <laughs> dressed as Rosie. <laughs> Ace. Yeah. In a red dress and it's got her lipstick on. And then he practises lines to her. This is like a dress rehearsal. And as he's practising his lines, looking at her and not his reflection, his lines move more towards a, I guess, well, it's definitely a, a darker territory. It's like he's imagining the conversation rather than practising a line. Now he's imagining the conversation and he's batting away any riposte that she has that we're, they're just friends. He's trying to persuade her. No, we can be more than friends. Oh, you don't mean that. Give me time to prove it and soon you'll... And then he leads in and he kisses the... Oh, God, smearing the lipstick all over its plastic yeah. face and his own, man, yep. And then he, he, then he sorts himself out and dusts himself yeah, off puts, and puts goes his hair to the back date. in place and then, yeah, he's yes. off, yeah. She's beep, beep, from outside and she's there in her car waiting to take him on the date. Crazy. Charlie takes her on the date and they go to the film set town and he, beforehand, he's gone there and he's organised and he's set things up. So she's like, why, why are we here? Why, why are we at work? Hmm. For want of a better word. Because we'd, he's like, I'll just check this out. Like maybe he puts a lever and like lights come on in the houses. There's gardens spread out. It's maybe like a carousel, like fires up or a wonder yeah, wheel or something yeah, like definitely. that. It's all just beautiful. I want that waltzy music. I want beautiful. to hear yes. some, a distant fairground jingle yeah. happening. Yeah. And it's all very romantic. If this was a different film, it'd be very romantic. But this one's oh, yeah. a little bit no, more kind my of. My nerves edge. are now pretty much on terror, Graham, because I know <laughs> yes. this is not a wonderful romantic gesture. But, yes. And Rosie uh, is. Uh, she's beside herself. Rosie's like, this is amazing. This is so wonderful. And she's full of glee. She likes this. So she's going up to the mannequins in the street and saying, oh, hi there, Mr. Thomas. How is school today? Making up all this kind of she's lovely. She's doing it in the most wonderful, earnest way, which is such a count as yeah. what we've seen happen with mannequins yes. previously. And, she, and he's having a lovely time with her there. And so I'm making up these fake stories with the people. Mm-hmm. And then they go, to, they go to the diner where he's prepared food. So over dinner, um, Rosie asked him about his work and his models and his props. And she says, how do you find all this detail? It's so wonderful, the history uh, on stage. And she kind of repeats what the actor said to Charlie before. Yeah, when he was... There's so much detail that it just, it makes my life, my acting life so much easier and so much better. And then Charlie goes into like his speech which would be like the actor's moment of the film yeah and i'm thinking um uh james khan in thief when he's in does the, the speech in the in the diner like every, <laughs> every like a grandstanding speech moment yeah. so he talks about the models and the details and how his dear grandmother taught him that god is in the details he talks about knowing you can know everything about a model and a, and a set you can know every detail you can know it inside and out you can create it because you can't know everything about a person. A model can't betray you. You can own a model. <laughs> it will never, ever leave you unless you break it. And he says the history, he says he has histories for everything in this town. I even have a history for you, Rosie. And then he just goes off onto this big, huge spiel about a horrible, tragic backstory that's led Rosie to this town and how she will eventually find love and happiness with a shy stagehand and she will never, ever leave him. And obviously Rose is now a little bit unnerved. And as she looks yeah. as she looks around at the, the mannequins in the diner, what was fun and japes before now just looks Looming. actually quite 
and terrifying. And, and terrifying. Yeah. yeah. So she's okay. And she's kind of playing along with it, but she's listening, but she's kind of thinking, like, this is, I probably need to figure out how to get out of this. Uh, we're, we're 80 miles away from town. We need to yeah. think of an exit strategy. Yeah. So the speech goes off the rails and it really unnerves her. And she says, okay, well, I've had a lovely time. <laughs> and I'm. Yeah. It's time for me to go now, Charlie. You know, got to go. It's late. Um, I've got to get up early for it. We've got to go to work. No, no, you stay. We, we haven't had dessert yet. You can't leave. We've got this stuff. And she says, no, I'm not feeling too great. But you said you had an early start. Now you're not feeling too great. And every excuse he's just kind of like batting, batting away. Because trying... he knows, because he's remembered all of everything. Yeah. Like he knows the history of everything, man. He's got an answer for everything. Yeah. yeah. And so eventually she kind of slams the napkin down on the table says charlie charlie i'm just going home i just i just want to leave i don't feel well i'm going home and then of course charlie gets up and he's blocking her way to the door she's pushing past him but he's still talking about how models are the perfect things and how i can how we're supposed to be together and all this kind of stuff he's just being horrible human being basically <laughs> and but eventually she does push past him and she gets out and she gets to a car and she just drives off and leaves him in the middle of this uh film set this fake town and he shouts after her that he doesn't care uh, you don't really mean anything to me because i am loved by everyone you'll never be loved i am loved by everyone she, obviously you'll get the wide empty shot of the street yeah, and, and, I, and we've got the dust as she drives off like yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely yeah and then he goes back into the diner and he sits down and his headache just goes <laughs> comes back again and he's and he, he he's trying to fiddle for his pills and he looks at his pills headache's getting worse so he staggers over to the the counter and he just tips his pills into the waste disposal the garbage he's like don't want them right this is it and he grabs the hand of the nearest mannequin and he and he, he says, come on, Mr. Rogers, the mannequin. Um, like, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. And eventually the throbbing um, calms down and he kind of suppresses the headache. And he has, let's go of the hand and he says, thank you, Mr. Rogers. And then the mannequin turns to him and says, you're more than welcome. You're more than welcome, Charlie. Anything for you? Would you like a cola? Aww. And then Charlie turns around and he sees the entire diner is just alive. It's a real place now. There's the jukebox is playing. There's teens dancing around. Um, there's waiters and servers bussing tables. And he looks out onto the street. There's cars zipping past. It's just full of people. Everything's come alive for him. He comes back into the diner. He, he says, no, cola, give me a whiskey. And he's having fun with Mr. Rogers with everyone. And then there's obviously the ding from the doorbell. And he turns around and Rosie's there. She's come back. And he's like, oh, Rosie, you've come back to me. And they have a dance in the town square. Music swells, fireworks in the sky. Huge fireworks, everything's perfect. Swelling music. It's huge swelling music, camera craning away. It's the end of the big Hollywood romantic movie, right? And then we cut to Charlie wakes up in his bed with a headache and a hangover. And he goes to the diner to apologise to Rosie about last night. She doesn't want it. She says, forget it. It's fine. Forget it. And she's really closed off and she's really cold to him. She wants nothing to do with him, really. She says so flatly, says, Charlie, we can't be friends. Yeah. I'm sorry. That was not good. You can't treat people like that. You can't treat women like that. You can't treat anyone like that. That's not cool. But I didn't know we had a, such an amazing time. We, had, we danced. It was fireworks. Mm -hmm. and like, <laughs> Charlie, I think, I think you're, you might need to see the doctors again. I think you need help. 
I think you need pills. I don't have any pills. It's fine. Right. So what we have now is the third act, which Stone got. Oh, crikey, bikey. Oh, right. Well, I'm just going to relax because I've genuinely been on yeah, tender just relax hooks, a little bit. I've got, some, I've got some things that happen, but we need to figure <laughs> out what happens. <laughs> like how they connect. Connective tissue. Okay, right? so what, what's your back-end skeleton, uh, for want of a less personal question? <laughs> Sorry. Right. So Rosie obviously avoiding Charlie at rehearsals. Angry about that. Yeah. Rosie and Jared secretly dating. Yeah, of course. The salesman yeah, yeah, yeah. secretly dating. Charlie learns that the fake town, or it's revealed, or Charlie didn't hear it properly, that fake town isn't a movie it's set. It's a nuclear test it's, town. It's a nuclear <sighs> test town. It's a oh, nuclear oh, test yes, town. Yes, okay, man. Yes, yes, yes. So obviously that puts him right <sighs> off the deep end. You saw how he reacted when... His little set was dismantled was by Jared, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gonna nuclear bomb detonate his entire town, <laughs> and with him, all those people are gonna die. And he all of his mates, the only people who are nice to him in his head. Yeah, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Other things I've got for the third act. Yeah, we have to have some kind of creeping around his house to find. We've got stuff. to have the reveal for the normal, yes. not normal. Uh, no judgment on crazy. So they reveal <laughs> mannequin. They, they reveal mannequins. Yeah. Obviously, then this is fucking weird. And then maybe Rosie and Jared do it together. Yeah, and the, the, the bloody one is still kicking around somewhere. He's kept that one that he attacked when he was nude yes. at that point, and that's uh, sort of reinstated but battered. They fired a tiara. And did, who did that belong to, Graham? Yes, who, who did that tiara belong to? was that? Has it, has it got an S uh, inscribed on the back by the yeah. gosh darn And then chance? we find that the funeral that he attended, because oh. it, it was a low close shot, was just a funeral just in his garden. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, yes. And it was mannequins around him. The priest was a mannequin. So I Sorry. either want the, <laughs> the burial to actually be Sonny mm-hmm. or it's a mannequin dressed up as Sonny. So the would probably have some kind of battle or some fight between Jared and Charlie. Rosie shoots Charlie. Charlie escapes. There's a police... Pursuit, or there's a police search for him. They can't mm. find him. But of course, I mean, they search through the fake town. They can't okay, find him. Okay, okay. But maybe he's create. He's like hidden himself in some secluded yep. space in the fake yep. town. So the film will end with him coming out like days a week later, and he's dressed up and he comes out and he's made iced tea and he sits on the the porch swing next to a mannequin of an old lady, oh, and they have they have mate. tea as the detonation happens. That's Yes, man. That's how it ends. Because, dude, and we end, and we don't end the. Uh, we're in his lovely fantasy world at that point when he sat next to, mm. you know, his 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 mannequin wife. So that is my half baked. That no, was, was pretty baked. baked. Dude, no, no, no I take umbrage at that. Uh, I, I got really stern then, and I'm pointing my finger. I'm so sorry. You are I've, got, I've got properly on my lovely. horse, man. Yeah, is this? Uh, we'll work on this dynamic after we finish <laughs> That's recording. Fine. I like it. Uh, <laughs> no, dude, that was not. That was not at all baked. That was fully baked. That was as baked as poor Charlie is at the end when he's getting hit by all of mm. the flame from the flipping blast, man. That was proper job throughout. And I also wrote, which I thought might be quite... It was interesting when I wrote it because I literally wrote cut scene. As in, I wrote this treatment and then I wrote a scene and then I edited it out. But I wanted to maybe put it back in, but I was going right. to show it. I was going to talk you through okay, it. Okay, so we're looking at some rushes here, and we're going to put our rushes, producer hats yeah. on. Um, okay, we're going to look at rushes, and I don't know if it tipped the ha- if it tips the hat too early. 
that he's not quite right. So remember the scene when Charlie and Rose uh, met at the cinema and they go to have pie? Mm-hmm. And she says, um, what do you mean? You mean Sonny's a better actor than is a better actor than me. That's what you mean. She's got more possess. She's got it going on. She's in Hollywood. You think I'm shit. Oh, my God, you are fucking her, weren't you? And she needles him and yeah. needles him and he shuts down and he leaves. My cut scene is cuts to him in his truck or whatever, parked around the back of the diner, and he gets the lipstick and just mashes it up in his hand and has a wank. <laughs> <laughs> but like a horrible, furious, like angry <laughs> masturbation scene. <laughs> Sorry, Groma. That was just so abrupt, mate. I was, I, you took me complete. I thought I was unshockable, but I think I'm shocked. I may even be blushing slightly off. He crosses up his hand and has a wake. And has a wake. <laughs> and now, Tom, with the weather. I mean, I kind of have to say that you can't cut that. Yeah, no. It, <laughs> we can put that later in the movie or something, man. Sorry, I'm mm. leaking from my eye a little bit it's after okay. that, mate. Um, yeah, no, we oh, can put that later on in it the... Tips that, it might tip the hat a little bit Because I, I so enjoyed throughout that. Like, I genuinely was, like, feeling tense. Uh, mm. I was just uncomfortable throughout all of your pitch in a really nice, uh, like, kind of tender hooky kind of way. So I like oh, keeping that going. I don't want to reveal the hand that he's definitely mad. What if... Oh, what if the... Um... When they dig up the mannequin and Razor's like, who the fuck is this? And Jarry's like, That's that looks like Mr. Davies. He died of cancer six weeks ago. He was Charlie's mentor. He, he used to play golf with Charlie. So like Charlie's having his own he's not murdered anyone, he's just having his own fantasy that's really unhinged yeah. and unhealthy. Yeah. But he's buried somebody who's actually died, has actually gone to the funeral, but he's he's buried a an approximation of that person because he has a stranger connection. He can rehearse lines, he can rehearse things and life. In every interaction. Uh. Yeah. Because I want the some of these interactions when he does talk to or rehearse things. Can we have some nice ones? You think, oh, well. it's quite yeah, sweet. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's quite sweet. Yeah. Like a bit of a Lars and the Real Girl. Dude, right. Tenderness. What I've you got know? written on my flipping, absolutely yeah, yeah. what I've got written on my notes, man. Yeah, like I would love. I think the problem is that, that when you were like, he rehearses things with dummies, I was like, that's a really good idea. I should definitely employ that. I'm like going to get my teddies and dress them up as my workmates and stuff. And I was like, yeah, why, why doesn't everyone do this, man? Okay, so casting. There's not many characters. No, there's not. I've, I've written like a, quite, a, quite a few things down, man. But please, you first, man. Who, who are you thinking? I've only got two for Charlie. Oh, okay. Uh, and... We haven't mentioned him for about two episodes. <laughs> about time to get him out then. <laughs> I, I want a, a de-beefcaked Gyllenhaal. It'd be very good. Yeah. As the shy, um, quiet, demeanoured. Bug-eyed, internalised. But then the bug-eyed, wild, angry, like, uh, no one, I am loved in this town. You don't know anything about your... From out. He would do both sides of it. My second and only other one, which I think would work really well, is Bill Hader. Definitely. He's got the hair for it as well, and he is amazing. And he's so good at being repressed and coiled in Barry and having explosive moments of rage and unfettered anger that has no direction. Yep. All right. Well, we're, we're, we're going with the um, sort of like the brunette and willowy. Um, I had uh, Bill Skarsgård because he's got a good Adam's apple. Mm. <laughs> you can just he's add because apple, he's yeah. got a good Adam's apple on all of these next names that I yeah. mentioned. Uh, Cody Smith McPhee, but he's probably too weird yes. and he might overplay it. He was the one I was thinking might overplay it. 
There's another person I thought about who is probably a tiny bit too old, but we might get away with Jesse Plemons would be a really good uh, Charlie. Oh, and then if we got him, we might quite easily get Kirsten Dunst for Rose. <gasps> oh, they're so lovely on screen. Too. Yeah, and they could be like, they would get out all of their relationship issues in this film because <laughs> none of it's nice. Book. It'd be nice to see them not like uh, as yeah. a partnership or something. Kirsten Dunst is a really good shout for Rosie. She's got that real wholesome, yeah, lovely, so... warm smile and nice... And I can see her teasing, doing that teasing in a completely innocent way. She'd sell the heck out of that. Um, but then yeah. seeing, like, Plemons or whoever it is, like, internalise that and take it all wrong, we would be constantly on Rose's side, as we should yeah. be, kind of a thing. Nice. OK. I've got store owner, the kindly store owner. Can we have John Lithgow as a cameo, please? Because oh, he'd yes. be so nice yes. at, like, tending to wounds and being beautiful. Yeah. Imparting some wisdom. Yeah, kindly store owner, John Lithgow. Done. Uh, what about some directors to bring this uh, tense, surreal, kind of terrifying uh, journey to life? Darren Bont would be good. He would a he know the the Frank Darren Bont would nail the period detail and drama, but he'd also bring obviously the horror because but he's a master. Of that. Also, but he would bring the schmaltz in the nicest possible way. The moments like the perfect day when he's in this town and the fireworks are going yeah. off. He would shoot that 100%, probably on original 1950s stock. He would get the right cameras, lenses, everything. The period detail of someone's fantasy of what they think life is like in a movie, because they kind of believe that they're in a movie. Yeah. Darren Bond would... And I want, I want to sell that, because I want that to be sort of like pretty pretty beautiful as far as it goes. I really do mm -hmm. want that to feel triumphant and lovely and to get a sort of uh, a glimpse of the ache in Charlie's heart or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, what, who have you got? Uh, I only got... I only got... I only got one name. I only got, I one. got one name. Is it, is it worse than I It's way worse. Yeah. Um, Better. No, it's um, Ty West. Uh, and this is nice. not a name that I would have mentioned, uh, but last year the doubleheader of X and Pearl blew me away and I thought like this is the first time that I've got one of his movies I also feel like uh the like to the point where I was like this is just your you know this isn't just like a cool horror movie you've just made a fucking amazing film man and like it was it was, nice. it was ambitious and it seemed to hit all the notes he tried to hit in his previous movies and didn't sit with all right me. we'll get him that's a good shout does that mean we'll get um Mia Goth as Rosie exactly that that's the other bonus what would happen if we did a gender, gender switch and Mia Goth was Charlie? I think that, well, sugar, without like, well, it changes nothing, man. Apart from the fact we have Mia Goth as Charlie and I fucking... Well, no, because that's a bit close to It Pearl. might change how I feel about that cutscene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's how we're starting the picture. <laughs> Get cool on the line. The scene's back in. <laughs> <laughs> I really kind of love that idea, man. Because Mia Goth can do no wrong, so I'm kind of biased. Sure. Well, we can figure it out. We'll let the casting agents right. Uh, if any of you guys, if you have any comments, you want to drop us a line, say hello, uh, want to contact us for whatever reason, uh, nefarious or not, <laughs> then do please drop us a line at uh, racehorsemovies at theneverpress.com. Uh, we would absolutely love to hear from you because we are uh, we are talking at you. Get some revenge. Talk back at us. It'd be great. <laughs> talk back at That's us. It. Come on. Okay, so picking the horses. What race are we going for, my friend? I've got a race. I have picked the two twenty five at Goodwood. Ah, slightly close to home. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'm. Uh, I'm just. Uh, I'm casting my eyes over these wonderful uh, horses that we have to pick from. 
Oh, there's some there's really some very good. There's some really good ones on this one. Only on number five. Oh, I like this. <laughs> one of these things is uh, is so nearly a backstory for the Princess Bride. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and you Excellent. guys play along at home. You can have a look at, at this race that we are currently scrolling through. Two twenty five Goodwood. Um, yeah. Please look on, it up on the guys. second on the second of August. Second of August. Um, oh crikey! Oh, that's amazing. All right, I've got one for you. You can go first, though. Right, so I would like to give you, if I may please, man, um, I'm going to give you a Sicilian defence. Inconceivable! <laughs> <laughs> you keep using this word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> Never go up against a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> What was the other one? Never get, get involved in a land war in Asia. <laughs> okay, Sicilian defence. And uh, I am going to give you white moonlight. White moonlight, okay, man. Brilliant. Graham, uh, this leads us to the uh, to the glorious end of our episode, man. Uh, and it leads mm-hmm. me to say thank you so much. As always, mate, really appreciate your time, really appreciate your pitches, really appreciate your contributions, man. That was excellent. Um, and I am very excited to continue this uh, next week for yourself, for myself, and for everyone listening, man. So uh, until then, all take gosh darn care of yourself or there'll be trouble, all right? <laughs> well... There we have it. Another episode of Racehorse Movies is over. We both hope you had as much fun listening as we did coming up with these films and recording our pitches. If you enjoyed this, please share it around with your friends and loved ones. And if it wasn't your thing, I don't know, maybe share it with someone you miffed with. Who knows? If it's not for them either, maybe you two can build some bridges over that connection. But if you did like picking up what we put down and you fancy checking out some more content from us, and head over to theneverpress.com to take a gander at our novels, poetry, and other bits and bobs. Anyway, that's about enough from us. Hope to have you back next time for some friendly chat and barely thought-through pitches at Racehorse Movies. Ta-ta! Ta-ta!